today I'm joined by Rob Boutillier, the fellow media host. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 55 of Conservative Roundup. Today I'm joined by fellow media host uh, Rob Boutillier, the patriotic dad. Well, thank you so much uh, for being here, Rob. It's great to have you. Hey, no problem, man. I enjoy uh, engaging in this stuff and especially with guys your age it's like man we got to support you guys you guys are the future right so yeah yeah for sure yeah. the more advocacy we can get out there the better yeah definitely why don't you why don't you tell us a little, a little bit about yourself first yeah i'm uh, so i'm a father of three i've got two dogs i just got a brand new uh australian labradoodle puppy and she's absolutely gorgeous um she's about 12 weeks old now i've just been oogling over her for weeks now um i live in fort mcmurray alberta i work in the oil and gas industry um about four years ago i got engaged in the political conversation without knowing anything at all whatsoever about politics and it was just more because i was pissed off than anything yeah. um you know i was watching the ndp destroy alberta I, you know trudeau was in power and i was watching what they were doing i was like man this is crazy mm-hmm. and, and it really started as an opportunity for me to vent and uh, it was like almost like for my own mental health, I did it just yeah. as an outlet. And then it just it got some traction and, you know, I wow. ended up building a platform. I think I'm just about 70 some thousand followers uh, wow. on Facebook. You know, I've linked in with the Buffalo Tribune, which is an indigenous media company now. Mm-hmm. I think across our platform, we're probably sitting at about 200, 250,000 followers wow. in total. So it really bloomed into something great. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it got to the point, Aiden, where um, I've got three kids. And, like, I just can't stop doing it now, yeah. even though, like, I lose money doing this. This is, like, this is a passion for me. Mm. And uh, I just can't stop doing it because I love my kids. And as much as I think the future is dark, uh, I just don't want to contribute to that darkness by keeping my mouth shut. That's basically yeah. where I'm at. Yeah, right? definitely. I don't, yeah, definitely uh, living out west and being in oil and gas sector as well. I mean, you have Trudeau for, from 2015 now and Rachel Notley from, from 2014. I mean, kind of how, how has that kind of shifted the last uh, – five to five to six years well it's uh like it's the it, it goes to show you how resilient oil and gas in canada is i'll tell you that much mm-hmm. because they are uh the oil and gas companies in canada that have made it through this downturn are super strong like i, I believe it was uh, a few months ago they did a study and they found that like the combined cash flow of the top 10 canadian oil and gas companies versus the top u.s shale companies like the Canadian companies had like 10 times the cash flow. Wow. So despite all of the forces working against oil and gas, it's shown up how shown us how strong this industry actually is. Mm-hmm. Now, on one end, like it worries me. I hate that we've got these forces working against us. I, I, I'm a glass half empty guy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to this sort of thing, it's like maybe at some point we get government who's supportive of our industry. And mm-hmm. watch out! I mean, the boom is going to be incredible if that happens because yeah. we're just we're primed for it. These guys are sharp, they're organized, they're efficient. They know how to make oil, and uh, once that growth opportunity is there, I think this place is just going to go absolutely crazy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because definitely you you got to have if you really want like a striving striving uh, province. I mean, you got to have provincial governments that are conservative, and as well as the federal governments, which uh, hopefully sometime soon. Right? I mean, because you have like you've kind of gone where we've gone coastal gasoline, Keystone XL. I mean, we were kind of hitting the trans mountains a little bit now. Line five, I mean, like, there's so many pipelines well, for gas and oil sectors, so many opportunities missed that it's for gas and oil sectors. I mean, that's like, like, that's like people's families too, right? They got to provide for their families food, electricity, like, you know, every single type of bill too. And I mean, taxes are ridiculous. I mean, out here, I mean, for gas now, we pay like a uh, buck 30 overnight. 
Yeah, and, 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 you know, and that's the key point here is every job not created in oil and gas is a job that Canadians don't have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get into this green conversation, it's like there's always this, like, this imaginary conversation that takes place with the Greens and the NDP. It's like, <laughs> we'll shut down oil and they'll just get jobs in green energy, guys. Yeah. It's like that is the dumbest breakdown of the whole situation you could possibly make because – like, in what world is that acceptable? Yeah. yeah. We'll shut it down, guys, but don't worry. We're just going to give you green jobs. It's mm-hmm. like, what green jobs? Where are they going to come from? Where's the money going to come from? Mm-hmm. How how uh, how profitable is the green energy industry? It's not. It's 90% subsidized. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're going to pay me my tax dollars back in salary <laughs> to work in the green energy. And oh, it's like, man, guys, they, they just need to stop. They need to embrace it. If mm-hmm. we want Canada to be successful, we need to do this. You know, the other side of things here too, Aiden, that's very uh, bothersome, is when you look at Canada's uh, reduction targets, compa- on a like on a global scale. Mm. If Canada, like for all of the suffrage we're creating, for all of the destruction of our industry, for all of the forces working against oil and gas, the amount of benefit to the world, if we were to even step into the argument about reducing emissions, is as close to zero mm-hmm. as you can possibly get it's mm-hmm. so close to zero it's not even fit it's mm-hmm. not even a blip and here we are sacrificing all of these opportunities and people's jobs and what's happening china is significantly increasing their emission yeah and you know i don't mean to get weird here but there is definitely a piece that plays out here where it feels like we're trying to suppress the western world through limiting energy production and industry while allowing some of these, you know, they say communists, it's not communists, um, but while, while allowing countries like China to grow and become more and more powerful. So that's just, that's what goes yeah. through my mind with this stuff is that ideological subversion piece, which is, okay, there's some engineering mm-hmm. behind this whole move here because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. The only thing that makes sense is if the entire thing is constructed to mm-hmm. weaken us. That's the only way this makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Right? I think, uh, yeah, like definitely with China as well. I think they're like, this year alone, they're supposed to build like five more coal powered plants. I mean, like, like that as well. I mean, like, we're shipping. Dude, I like, think it's probably five more a month at a minute. Yeah, exactly. They're I mean, like, coal plants and, like crazy. And then we're having like, like all this dirty oil coming over Venezuela, Saudi Arabia. We're having like all like these, uh, we're having all these people, all these liberals, they're like, Oh well, we don't want your dirty oil, but but we want your money at the same time. I mean, like Quebec thinks that they that they have power over these wells. BC, I mean, like kind of like to the states as well. I mean, like you kind of go from one administration that's so pro energy now to like an administration that does, doesn't even give a blip. I mean, like the the new the Green New Deal. I mean, all the Democrats are backing out of debating the Republicans because they're so scared. I mean, like, like it's so radical. I mean, I think it's was it like six trillion dollars. Well, that's their uh, that's their mo, right? They come up with crazy ideas and then they avoid uh, debating or substantiating those ideas at all costs, just so those ideas can exist and get traction without ever being challenged in any way, shape, or form, right? Mm-hmm. Now you talked about the U.S. and like you look at the cancellation of Keystone. Man, there is a deep dark strategy here that makes absolutely no sense on the surface. But again, when you think about uh, when you think about things from a standpoint of ideological subversion or subversion of the Western world, then it starts to make sense. Mm-hmm. So you've got the Keystone XL pipeline. Biden cancels it. That's eight hundred thousand barrels of uh, a day of product that would be traveling to the United States through that pipeline. Okay, mm-hmm. so he cancels it. That is a secured form of energy for the United States, who, by the way, is going to need it mm-hmm. because shale is unprofitable. Well, not unprofitable, but it's not making great money. Um, decline rates are massive in shale right now. You're going to see less and less shale being produced over time. They're going to need those resources. Mm-hmm. So all Biden did, he did not shut down any resource production. 
whatsoever with that move. He just ensured that they're going to have to get it from way less secure sources than Canada, their neighbor, through a pipeline that you never have to be at risk of somebody blowing up, yeah. right? Like, that's what he did. So, so again, on the surface, this is like, I'm not a conspiracy-minded person. But when you look at this stuff on the surface, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Unless you start attributing evil motive to it, and then it's like, oh, well, that makes sense now, unfortunately. Yeah. No, no, exactly. I mean, like, like the states, I mean, like, over the last month, I mean, they've tripled their, or they, they've doubled their gas. I mean, it was like 340 under President oh. Trump, and now it's like 740 under President Biden. I mean, oh, like, I bet you they're all happy they voted for Biden. I know, yeah. I mean, like, like, like California, they quote unquote, they want safer prisons. I mean, they're releasing all these inmates. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, well, and, and the worst part is you've got the bastions of freedom. You've got yeah. some Republican states that are doing great. But now you've got the Democrats who created these hellholes, and they're all like, oh, it sucks here. Let's go to yeah. Texas. Let's go to Florida. But they're not changing their voting patterns. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, like, all, like all these people, they're like, oh, I, I regret voting for Biden, like, not even a week. You know, like, the first day, he had, like, was it 15 executive orders that he signed? There's, like, signed mask mandates, and he, and he broke the rule the, the same night canceled keystone so he had so like not even every like even bush obama president trump and as well as uh clinton i don't even think that they even all of them combined didn't even have enough more than executive orders than biden did well, on his first day trump was trump was a dictator for signing executive orders oh. you know and this is this is this is the back and forth this is the disgusting thing about politics that just drives me crazy to no end and you know i've, I've gone through a lot of ups and downs in the last four years i started out like hugely conservative uh, my support started weaning off over the years, and like I just got to the point now where it's just an absolutely disgusting game. Mm-hmm. And you know, my thing is less about gaining uh, traction or uh, gaining freedoms or anything like that through political parties and the political system, and more about. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not confident it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, right-leaning Canadians would rather sit down and wait for somebody to do it for them. I've mm-hmm. got no doubt about that. I've seen it. But my only hope is, like, we get enough of the uh, of the electorate engaged that they start pushing politics in the direction it needs to go. It's the same idea of that Overton window. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I just think the political system is so damaged and so rife with, uh, like, just evil intentions and, you know, self-preservation. And, like, there's just no way, shape, or form that the majority of it is focused on what's right for the country. Mm-hmm. that the electorate needs to be engaged and they need to apply the right pressures on the political system to get it in the right direction. Because I think, yeah, and, and here's the worst part for me, Aiden, is I am hugely anti-revolutionary, communist, the whole nine yards. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't, I think, you know, the system we have today is pretty good compared to a lot of stuff that's yeah. happened in the past. But, like, theoretically, when I think out loud, it's like, I hate this system. It drives mm-hmm. me crazy. It's not working for us. But... How do you fix it? Well, the only way to do it would be to almost take an authoritarian stance, break the whole thing down, and then rebuild it. Yeah, well, exactly. We know what happens there. Well, I mean, it's Authori- cha- it's. I mean, it's changed. Authoritarian, authoritarians don't give power back, so that's not going to work. Yeah, right? I mean, like They're it's never going to do that. Like over like the last year or year and a half, I mean, it's changed so much. I mean, we, we we've gone from like the these right leaning uh, conservative provincial governments and all that. I mean, that's greatly affected people. I mean, kind of like looking now, like federal polls as well. I mean. I mean, the conservatives have lost uh, lost ground in Alberta. I mean, Calgary seats are supposed to flip. Edmonton seats are supposed to flip. 
BC, we're losing Stronghold. I mean, the only place we've actually gained ground on is 2% in Quebec. I mean, I mean, like, even that, I mean, like, even people are so fed up with the provincial governments as well. I mean, like, personally, for my stance as well, I, I kind of wish we had a Florida of Canada. We had a Ron DeSantis and, uh, or, or a Greg Abbott or Christy Noem. I mean, that's, I mean, people are just so fed up here. I mean, the political landscape is greatly so much changed, too. I mean, like, we've had all these, I mean, like, just, uh, just, uh, yesterday we had this bill, or they were voting on the emergency orders again, and, I'd say at least uh, half the legislature here in Ontario didn't even vote. Even Doug Ford himself didn't even vote for the uh, emergency powers. I mean, you have all these MPPs. All the oh, I can tell you, a lot of people are are fed up with the with their MPPs. You can going into uh, I think it was one year tomorrow or yesterday. Sorry, one year to, yesterday yesterday is is uh, when people are going to vote on Doug Ford. I mean. Kind of, I mean, you've had all these over the last year. I mean, you have all, you've had all these new right wing parties pop up. You've had the New Blues, the Wild Rose Independence, the uh, the Maverick Party. I mean, you've had so many parties pop up. I mean, it's not even serious, right? We're going into a federal election with three right wing parties. One uh, WEC, one's basically the Wexit Party, the the PPC, and the Conservative Party. Yeah, and and you know, and and my and the, and here's the problem that I see is not that, um, you know you get guys like me who flip to a different party because mm-hmm. because again like there's so many new parties that have popped up that are uns- like they're, they're just not established I, I don't know who's running these parties and you know mm-hmm. before we went online here we spoke like i just i can't tie myself to things i don't know about and people who might have skeletons in their closets like we've got to yeah. be careful with that stuff because that really hurts us as right-leaning people um, but it's just, you get guys like me who, it's not about me voting for NDP or Green, or it's about not voting. And mm-hmm. it's principle-based. You know, early on in, you know, my discussions about politics, I was like, yeah, we got to get conservative at all costs. We got to do this. We got to do that. And then I just gradually started to notice that, you know, even the conservatives, it's, they don't they don't sustain our freedoms and our values. Mm-hmm. They are constantly... Perpetually, perpetually negotiating them away with the left, and that's where for me it's like, okay, I would I would abstain from voting, right, until mm-hmm. the right party comes along, rather than put myself in a situation that I'm supporting bad politics or mm-hmm. politicians. Because again, like you look at the UCP in Alberta, they went full on, like basically full on authoritarian, yeah. and it's gross to me. These are the people who. You know, they talked about freedoms. They stood for all of the things that I liked. And then when things got a little hot on them, mm-hmm. they destroyed the whole province and people's livelihoods. And, and they sit there and, you know, they'll talk to us like we're the ones who are bad for not liking it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I just I can't vote for these guys. There's not a single yeah. one of them. There's a few politicians on an individual level that I support. Mm-hmm. But as far as, you know, an entire party and their platform goes, it's like, yeah, you can't trust that. Yeah, anymore. no, exactly. And that's kind of like your, your point as well, the flip-flop. I mean, it's not about flip-flopping. It's about the party's policies and what and what you want to see change for your province and what puts you ahead or what gets you forward. I mean, because definitely, yeah, there's definitely some individual politicians. I mean, look, yeah, definitely look at the UCP. I mean, like, they're kicking out those two members that stood up to them uh, last week. Like, what the hell is up with that? I mean, I mean, you don't... Well, and, and here's, the, here's the, thing, what's the whole point. You're representing your, your constituents, and that's what mm-hmm. these guys were doing. And they got kicked out for representing their constituents and their interests. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, you told us right there what your MO, what your what your plan is. You don't want representation of the constituency. Yeah. You want people who are going to toe the party line and, you know, play this ridiculous game you're playing where you keep perpetually destroying everybody's business. And, and I'll tell you, I've had a lot of conversations with 
lawyers from the JCCF and, you know, really smart people. And it's like, this is against all the data. Yeah. Like, this is not supported by data. This is, I'll tell you what this is. This is a political party wanting to not look like the bad guy at all costs, mm -hmm. but being so out of touch with the electorate that they have become the bad guy mm -hmm. and they don't even see it. They still, they're sticking to their guns and they think that they're winning the battle here and they're not. Yeah, they're as well, I mean, like all these, uh, all the opposition parties as well, I and mean, then the provincial wise, I mean, the, ND, the NDP are up, uh, I think they're 10 points above the, the UCP. I mean, the liberals here in Ontario, I think they're up like 1% above. NDP will never, never be a provincial government. It's not, Horwath has no business being uh, the leader of the opposition, that's for sure. I mean, they needed a huge change from her, man. She is ridiculous with her policies. I mean, I mean, her, she port, supported her own MPP not even wearing a poppy. She supports her wearing poppies. I mean, like, like, what the heck is up with that well, here? What kind of state are we in where that's a controversial mm -hmm. subject? Yeah. Wearing a poppy. That's like in the States with Memorial Day mm -hmm. and uh, what's her face? Kamala coming out and or Kamala <laughs> or however you pronounce it. You know, have a good long weekend. Like <laughs> yeah. The day it became controversial to support your military and the people who fought for the very rights and freedoms you enjoy now that allow you to spew this bullshit like mm -hmm. <laughs> like when that became like that's when it's like wow i need to move deep into the woods uh build a big wall around my property and just keep all these weirdos out until things go back yeah and everybody realize what's going on right yeah i mean like, like one year back we, we have like i remember so we had rainbow poppies pop up and like some kid got suspended from a school for not wearing one i mean it's ridiculous i mean like the opposition parties here in ontario i mean they, they haven't even done anything they're like well we're, we're going to introduce funding for for transportation more we're going to introduce funding for more outdoor activities i mean like there's not no funding towards mental health i mean depression rates completely spiked suicides have spiked i mean like they have they have no business running the provinces i mean like they, they can't even provide the data that said that where all these decisions come from i mean you you literally go yeah you, exactly i mean you literally for me yeah, I mean, like, literally, you go on the government site and you look for all this data and it says no data available. I mean, literally, you look on the province of Ontario, it says no data available. I mean, like, like how ridiculous is that? Here, here's, here's, you know, one of the reforms I would absolutely love to see, and I think it's, it's where we need to go with these things. Is, well, firstly, we got to stop spending money. Like, we've mm -hmm. got to, like, 215 bodies of children found as a residential school. And when they did that reconciliation piece, they were asking for money to search for bodies at these residential wow. schools, and they were turned down. And it was only like a couple million bucks. Yet we'll mm -hmm. send four hundred million dollars of taxpayer money out of this country—not even taxpayer money. It's money we don't have mm -hmm. that we're going into debt to provide. So, we, firstly, we've got to stop spending money. Like this is just ridiculous. We need to spend it where it matters and stop spending it on these pet projects and all of and and I get it. Like somebody will chime in and they'll say there's some kind of big science behind politics where you need to do this and it's mm -hmm. like that's the dumbest shit ever <laughs> like that's like these people who argue that accumulating debt as a country is beneficial to your economy mm -hmm. it's not yeah. it's not you always lose in the end you always mm -hmm. pay more for that money than if you had the money in your hand it's always worth less at the end yeah. of it, right? Like that's what happens. Well, it's always but, like from like from these millennials is all generations. Even they they're expecting. I mean, right right now they want to lay on mommy's and daddy's couch and expect universal basic income. Well, you know, and and that's not their fault. Mm -hmm. That's you know, past generations' faults for creating this monster that we have on our heads, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but you know what's crazy though? Like, so firstly, we got to stop spending money. Mm -hmm. Here's the second part. 
there's there's a mechanism there there is a system within the government that will look at 38 million Canadians. I don't know how many of them are employed. Yeah. Let's say let's say 20 million Canadians are employed. And that might be way off. I don't know. There's a system in the government that will look at 20 million people and right down to the very penny calculate how much they owe the government every single year and take that money by force if necessary. Okay? Wow. But the government can take $100 billion and spend it with no oversight whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow. It's like, wow. honestly, we're the taxpayers. We should have an equal or greater mechanism to manage government spending mm-hmm. than what the government has to manage our earned money. <laughs> like, isn't that crazy, man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we're living in a society today where it's like, it's okay, where it's not okay to lie to the government, but it's okay for them to lie to you, us as taxpayers oh. as well. That's all they do. That's all they do. It's all yeah. lies. I, I, I swear. But you know, here, here's here's the kicker, though. It's our fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I mean, us as, as voters as well, we let it happen. I mean, all of our, all most of Canadians are, are so stupid. I mean, they they let Trudeau back in. We have Mr. Blackface, Brownface, and then we have just ethics scandal after ethics scandal. I mean, it, the list just goes on. I mean, people could literally go on for a whole week and just talk about the stuff that uh, the, the shit that he's done. I mean, it, it's gone so far and so far fetched that people are they're just giving him passes for what he does. Okay, can you imagine if that was like Stephen Harper? Well, you, even outside of that, okay, you look at the whole system, and again, I'm just anti-government for the most part. Like, I believe we need some stuff there, and we need to do some stuff, but it's like, to me, it's just so out to lunch, it's not even fit. Mm-hmm. But every human being on the planet, my children, you know, if you have children in the future, like, every single human being that has any senses whatsoever reacts to consequences. That's a fact. That's mm-hmm. what happens. And what's happened in our political system, and this is where I get back to, it's not about uh, electing somebody in my mind anymore. It's about the electorate providing the right pressures to get the right behaviors. Mm -hmm. So every single human being on the face of this planet in some way, shape, or form reacts to consequences. And we've created a political system that is just void of any consequence whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And what what we've seen as a result of this is this absolute cesspool created of mm-hmm. all of these people who and this is this is what people turn into people turn into psychopathic liars <laughs> when they're at, when there's a void of consequence mm-hmm. in what they're doing when there's no oversight when there's no accountability this is what happens and the, the problem is the frustrating thing to me as 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 an electorate as you know residents of Canada we've sat back and we've been okay with no consequences and yeah. it's slowly drifted to where it's at today, where all of a sudden all the consequences are on you and I, <laughs> yeah. and there's no accountability in the government. Even when they talk accountability, it's like the lightest version of accountability <laughs> you could possibly imagine. Yeah. And they can use weasel words and weird statements to not be accountable for anything, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, like Alberta has a, like a lot of, of good MPs that actually they actually stand up and actually give it to the government, actually tell them where it is at. I mean, you have Shannon Stubbs, Garnet Genuous, you have Michelle Rempel. I mean, you have like a whole bunch of you could say rednecks is how we like to get referred to. I mean, like I mean now there, there's no accountability at all. I mean, so people. I mean, we have now C10, which wants to restrict uh, what what we do. I mean, this probably and then it restricts podcasts as well. What kind of what I'm doing and what you're doing. And, and people are just, oh, it's fine. And they fall for the Stephen Gilbo answer of child pornography. I mean, that falls under the criminal code already. Yeah. 
Well, and that's the thing. There's already mechanisms to manage a lot of the stuff they're trying to manage further. And, you know, if anything I've learned in my career and in my life is more layers of control don't result in better control, right? It just yeah. adds additional cost and confusion to the whole thing. And it's like, if we've got a mechanism to manage it, let's do it, right? <laughs> and that's the C10. That's the, that's the thing that irritates me about C10 is I've read the bill. It's not what it says that bugs me. It's what it doesn't say, mm-hmm. right? That's the thing for me is how can that be weaponized? And that's really how we need to think when these bills come through. Like, it's almost there's a hesitancy to approve anything because you know this political system that we've allowed to become, uh, to be created, will actually come up with some weird, obscure way that we can't think about right now to weaponize anything that they put forward. They will make it vague enough. They will make it simple enough. They will make it wide open enough that when you read it, it sounds okay. Right, like you just mm-hmm. as an individual, I'm not informed or educated enough to imagine all the terrible things they could do to me with that bill. Those guys know. Yeah, they've got the benefit of you know infinite lawyers on staff to tear these things apart and find where they can weasel all of these things they want to do in there and and you know force things upon us through these bills. So that's the scary part: is the government not only have they developed into this terrible cesspool that we see they've also been able to weaponize themselves and have all the resources that they need to push back and make our lives miserable when it's up to the individual it's up to me to read that bill and understand what could possibly be done i don't have a Mm -hmm. lawyer sitting beside me yeah i just need to read it's like yeah just and it's to that point where it's like i just don't trust anything now Mm -hmm. because i'm not smart enough to think of the 10 ways you can screw me with that I just need to know in the past you've screwed me many times so you'll probably find a way right yeah oh no no i mean like, that's the same crap with the coming back to the endless lawyers i mean that's the same crap as the uh, veterans are asking for too much stuff i mean like, like that right there that's like really far-fetched too i mean like like, like right now he has like hundred he still has hundreds of cases of veterans that are taking him to court i mean right now he's taking indigenous people to court as well I, like, yeah. like the man has no morals at all. I mean, like he has just hundreds of lawyers right out, of, right out his feet, just bowing down to him, and, and he's like, "Oh well, well, we'll we'll see what happens." Well, the conservatives are just trying to deflect. I mean, like it, it, it's so unbelievable. I mean, it's it's always the deflection. I mean, like they're they're going after him when he when he let those Chinese military scientists go into that secure lab in Manitoba, I believe, and, and he and he and he says the conservatives are racists and bigots. <laughs> well, and here, here's the thing, right? So he talks about reconciliation and, you know, being part of an indigenous news organization. You know, I'm pretty passionate about that side of things. And when you look at, so he will, the, the government, I'm not just saying just Trudeau, many governments before him, whether they be conservative or liberal, they will send billions of dollars out of this country just to organizations with no oversight that, you know, likely have some ties to terrorism and all kinds of crazy mm-hmm. stuff like that. They'll do that and not bat an eye, and then they'll pat themselves on the back. But then the flip side of that is there was a recent case. It was a year or two ago. There was a young indigenous girl who was fighting the government over something to do with dental care. And this liberal government spent more money fighting that in court than the actual bill for the dental care was. What? Yes, this happened, man. I'd have to take it up and send it to you. Yeah. But it's like, this is the type of stuff we get into with. This is the cesspool. This is the disgusting side of things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the worst part is that the good people who would do good things, they don't want to be part of it. They don't Mm -hmm. want to be part of this cesspool. They don't want to be in this system because it's to the point now where it's gotten so bad 
that the amount of force working against good people in politics is overwhelming. Yeah. You could be a good person, and I'll tell you right now, you could take a good person, plug them into the political system in Canada, 99% of the time they will fail. Because yeah. that whole system has been weaponized against good people. Mm-hmm. No, no, definitely. I mean, like, I mean, it's like, it's the establishment as well. I mean, like, so many conservatives now they're they're just they're it's they're so divided as well. I mean, like here in Ontario, I mean, like we probably have the most politicians that are probably outspoken and, and removed. I mean, we have Belinda Carahalios, Roman Babber, Randy Hillier, Derek Sloan. Yep. I mean, like, like have you ever Hillier. heard? From... I like Hillier. Yeah, no, he, he now he has a good hit, good hit to him. Even Kenny puts tries and puts up a, a good rant on him with Twitter. It's never worked; just backfires on him. But I mean, like, how many politicians have you actually heard that that's anti lockdown other than Maxine Bernie and Derek Sloan at the federal level? No one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, those are the only two that are Republican like minded. I mean, like here, I mean, like look at the uh, the last four years, uh, 2016, 2020. I mean, you had the president who who fighted the establishment and and put money back into the good paying pockets of the Americans. I mean, like that's what we need here personally. That's what I think. I mean, like just going back to those four years. I mean, just even hearing about it is is great. I mean, like, like it it kind of makes you just have a warm feeling that you kind of want that here, right? I mean, I mean, no one Alberta they probably have it. They probably want it the most. And, but we don't have it here. That's the problem is like a guy like that, as simple as a Trump strategy or a Trump approach seems, that's one in a billion, that type of person that mm-hmm. can lead a country and do that. And in Canada, we have no hope. And I lost all hope. I mm-hmm. used to think we had good politicians that could, you know, take that type of lead of Canada and do it, do what we need them to do. But when everything settled with COVID, these guys were standing there cheering on all of these horrible measures that have destroyed hundreds of thousands of livelihoods in cannabis. Mm-hmm. These same people that I thought were going to be there to support us and help us abandon their constituents. They, they went ahead and they towed the party line. You get, mm-hmm. the, you get the rare, you get the guys like Drew Barnes and Randy yeah. Hillier and, and some of these guys that are doing good work and they're pushing back and taking risks and, they're doing what they're like. That's the yeah. thing. Good people in politics aren't successful because what mm-hmm. happens? Drew Barnes gets booted out of the UCP mm-hmm. because he's representing his constituents, because he's working towards the interests of his constituents. Mm-hmm. That's what we end up with in this political system, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm to the point now, Aiden, and I'm, it might not be fair. Maybe I'm maybe I'm jaded. I don't know. <laughs> this whole thing seems so ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. What we're doing to people the way we're shutting down businesses, mm-hmm. the way we're destroying livelihoods, that I honestly 100% cannot trust a single politician that actually, instead of like not supporting it, doesn't actively speak out against it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so convinced that every bit of this works against their constituency that if they're not actively opposing it, they are not supporting the interests of their electorate. Definitely. That's, that's where I'm at. It's like... If, if I see a politician, like there's some good people, you mentioned Michelle Rempel, there's, there's people I always supported. Mm-hmm. When I don't hear them speak out against what's happening to people within Canada, I ought to, they automatically lose my support. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the biggest thing happening right now. Yet they want to talk about pet projects. They want to talk about all these little things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. They want to talk about, you know, equalization. Okay, equalization is a great topic. But how about we stop destroying the whole province for a few minutes yeah. and then talk about equalization? Mm-hmm. Let's not talk about equalization over the destruction of hundreds of thousands of businesses and livelihoods. And, you know, Alberta alone, opioid overdose deaths doubled in 2020, right? The -hmm. leading cause of death for 10 to 14-year-olds in Canada became suicide in 2020. Yet, and you saw it with all the politicians. Mm -hmm. One 
one young person, um, their death was attributed to COVID, and it was like, like Twitter posts galore about how sad this is. The leading cause of death for 10 to 14 year olds becomes suicide. Not a peep out of a single one of them. Well, I mean, like, like here right now, I mean, like we have all these, for example, we have all these businesses signed up, and then we have the premier's essential, not essential, 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 not essential. I mean, I mean like, like. I have no t- taste for that. I mean, like, it, it's so disgraceful. I mean, like, like we have Francois Legault, for example. I, I, I hate most of his policies. Terrible politician, I think. You have him, oh, yeah, we're going to open the schools. We're going to let people come in. And then, and then you dug for it even worse here. Oh, we're not going to let any of that. No, we don't want any of that here in Ontario. You can keep that to yourselves. I mean, right between Pap- or Gatineau and Ottawa, I mean, like, the bridge is shut off. I mean, here in Quebec, you have uh, you have curfews at, like, 8 o'clock at night. BC, you have military checkpoints. Alberta, they wanted to in- introduce drones for the long weekend. I mean, like, here... That didn't on- go over well at all. No? <laughs> oh, no, no. I, like, even Ra- Rachel Notley, I mean, like, look at the uh, the Grace Life Church. I mean, you, you have them set up, and Rachel Notley's like, arrest them, arrest them, have the... You got off with their heads, right? Well, and, and, and that's the thing. People misinterpret with me. So, like, my, my following, like, I'll get people that argue with me. They're like, you're splitting the vote, and it's like... And then people will assume because I'm you know, I've got a level of disdain with current politicians that are like, oh, maybe this guy's going to move over to, over to NDP. It's like, no, they're all worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is, this is not, this is like, we've got the best of a bad bunch mm-hmm. in charge right now, and it's still absolutely horrifying what they're doing to people within this yeah. province. So when we hit that point, that's where I'm like, I can't support anybody. Like, mm-hmm. I can't. And honestly, like, I, we've had people on my, on my live streams and everything and I've just made the point that guys like be careful who you bring on. Like I don't want to blindside anybody. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not, if I if I sit down, so so if I have a live stream and I've got somebody engaged in these conversations on my live stream, mm-hmm. and I talk about their pet project rather than what's actually harming a significant number of Albertans and Canadians right now, I'm a sellout, and <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. blindside anybody. But, but that was my point. Was guys, you can bring these guys on. Mm-hmm. But this is not going to be a present your pet project and let's carry on the conversation type conversation yeah it's going to be what the f is wrong with you (laughs) why are you supporting the destruction of people's lives Mm -hmm. where's all the data to support any of this because it doesn't exist oh it doesn't right that's the conversation i would be Mm -hmm. having and if i didn't do that then i wouldn't be living my values and my morals so it's like okay you have an option come on and talk to me about it or don't come on at all i mean like here in ontario i mean like they're uh, they're, they're so small-minded here in Ontario. I mean, we're like the chief medical officer is like, yeah, reopen everything. And even over the long weekend, there's talk of replacing them because he wants everything open. I mean, the, the people of Ontario, I mean, they're softer than the underside or than the soft side of Doug Ford's underbelly. I mean, like they're, they're so small-minded. I mean, like, they don't know what's going on. I mean, it, it, it's so, they're, oh, they're, they're so stupid in Ontario. Like look at Toronto, all those boomers. They're like, oh yeah, free this, free that. We want socialist healthcare. We want, free universal basic income we don't want to pay our student debt that's i mean fiscal responsibility right there i mean like i own i own my part what i have to pay for my taxes i don't i'm not one of these kids that go around go to the corner store and just take something off the shelf and hide it underneath my uh underneath my clothes i mean like, that's how kids these days i mean like they're they're so stupid as well i mean like they're they're so just blindsided they just follow jagmeet sing like it like it's nothing i mean the man's banned from entering india like you can't even well, go into you. And, and it, like it's it's not their fault, right? Yeah. Like this is what we've created. This is what we've done. 
And, you know, like, there's part of me that's like, it's people's fault. There's part of me that's like, well, maybe this is just a natural course for society, too. Maybe maybe this is a cyclical thing that is, you know, definitely going to happen 100% of the time. Because, you know, we, we do such a great job building society and wealth and, you know, comfort for people. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it, it happened with me and my own kids for a little while where you, like, you start kind of hovering over them too much and you start watching too much and you, you kind of take that autonomy away from them. And, and it's like recently we just broke away from it. And it's like, guys, like just go out and get hurt. Right. Like, yeah. you know, I've got a 10 year old and two eight year olds and we bought another cell phone line and I hand them the cell phone and say, go explore, like, mm-hmm. call me and call me every half hour. Right. And it's just, mm-hmm. and, and what we've done is we've created a number of generations with unrealistic expectations who have no understanding and no link to what actual suffrage is. Mm-hmm. And because they can't envision what that suffrage, like I grew up on a farm. That's not to say like, I'm, I'm an old guy. I've got like, I've got a way better, but yeah. I grew up on a farm. We were extremely poor. I had to work from the age of 11 picking eggs for $67 a week until I was 18 years old. For se- and that was seven days a week. I was doing that. Oh. So, so being exposed to suffrage is a good thing. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing bad about a child going through something like that because guess what they'll appreciate every damn thing that comes to them in the future but we're in a situation now where we've kind of pushed the bar so high Mm -hmm. that suffrage is not having your video games or not going on that trip or like you know what i mean or having your quad taken away for a weekend or that's what suffrage is today and it's Mm -hmm. like there is a complete disconnect between what the horrors and what the absolute worst of society can do to people and what people's actual experiences are today, and they just don't see it. They don't connect it. Mm-hmm. Right, like that. I mean, so that. comfortable that they just they don't envision what the worst case scenario is, and they just want more and more and more, right? And that's and that's previous generations' fault. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like here on, I mean, like in the kids in the states, though. I mean, like in the red states. I mean, they're they've been taught right. They they know how to uh, how to get they know how to get income. They know how to uh, how to actually life skills. I mean, for God's sake, I mean, here in Ontario, they don't teach you any of that stuff. I mean, everything in the, every I swear to God, every single state in Canada, they all these kids. They they expect everything to come to themselves and expect nothing in, or to give anything in return. I mean, uh, that's the sad part. I mean, kids in the states, though. I mean, they they know exactly how to. Uh, how to get by themselves they know how to be independent they know how to be self uh self self-efficient i mean that's kind of the thing I mean, and then you have like the blue states like california new york and they expect everything to come for themselves and that's government because they depend on government here and the red states do not i mean look at this like uh texas and florida i mean no income taxes low housing that's like you get excellent house i mean like you get like a house with the pool attached indoors for like two hundred fifty thousand dollars Dude, we were we were pricing it. It's insane with yeah. what happens in Texas with properties. It's like beautiful, beautiful properties, like almost a mansion. Yeah, like four hundred grand US. It's like wow, this is. Yeah, I mean, that, like that's like seven hundred grand up here. I mean, like here in here in Ontario. I mean, like uh, here in Bowmanville, Ontario. That's where I'm from. Uh, you got like new subdivisions here. I remember around them, and they're like, uh, right now, my house probably second newest generation, seven fifty. And the new newer ones up there, they go for like uh, once one point seven. I mean, like, and then you get like one of these little small shit shacks in uh, Toronto. There, it's like a million dollars. It's like a yeah. little, it's like a little uh, garage. Yep, it's crazy, man. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. and then there's like this story back. There's like two months back, like this guy sold a strip of grass in between a house for like two million dollars. Because that's how stupid people are. I mean, like they they bought a friggin' strip of grass. 
Like, <laughs> that's the thing with Ontarians. I mean, they, they, they fall for everything and expect everything in return. I mean, the thing, the things with, with uh, well, I guess every single generation say they, they're not cautious of what they do. They, they, they just make all these self-rational decisions as well. I mean, like, and, and they're so government dependent as well. I, and that's so ridiculous because... Uh, like, look at a Texas and a Florida. I mean, their governors are great examples. I mean, they've, when they've had, Florida's had a Republican governor since the 80s, I guess, 90s. Yeah. And, and you look how the generations are coming out today, and, they, and they're excellent. I mean, those kids are procedures. They're going to Harvard. They're going to uh, other fancy schools. I mean, they've got Harvard. They've got uh, John Hopkins. I mean, they've got so many great, and they're all going to there. I mean, like the kids here, uh, kids in Ontario, six every Six out of twenty kids are failing their classes. I mean, like uh, they're they're crap at math. They're crap at uh, art. I mean, they can't even do art class. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Hey, Aiden, real quick, can we pause for just two minutes? All right, everyone, welcome back on. I'm joined by Patriot Dad Rob Butilio. Thank you uh, for being here again, Rob. It's uh, why don't you let's get back to where we started. Let's do it. All right, so kind of, well, I guess we'll hit the uh, the Derek Sloan topic now. So, what what's your overall thoughts about that? Dude, that, that was actually, before we even got deep into the COVID stuff, that was one of the biggest things that lost, that the, you know, the O'Toole team did to lose my support, is they stepped up, they sneered Derek Sloan as, like, white supremacist slash racist for absolutely nothing whatsoever. They did that in an effort to, it was like, they, the way I perceived it was, they had a strategy to smear him. And then it didn't work, and they were like, oh, shit. So they <laughs> backtracked, and they tried to fix it. Yeah. But what they did right there to me is they revealed they are just as bad as the left mm-hmm. when they did that. That was when I abandoned all hope for that party, and I said, you know what? This is, this is what they're about. Yeah. This is, they're not about the constituents. They're about their internal politics. They're about towing the party line. And when they get a, a good person like Derek Sloan, who is in, an independent thinker and you know, wants to do these things, the very first thing they do, instead of saying, great, we're happy you're supporting your electorate, they say, no, we've got to figure out a way to make this guy look like a racist and mm-hmm. get him out of here. And the fucking, the guy has an interracial family. Yeah. Like, my God. Like, of all the people who are attacking him for being white supremacist or racist, I haven't looked at it. <laughs> I'd love to see how many of those guys have interracial families. Yeah. I mean, I like, see it. like I feel bad for them. And like that right there, like that automatically ruins his career right there as well. I mean, like that is so far. It's it's like far left too. I mean, like when you actually do that, I mean that's like Jane Philpott, Jody Wilson, Raybould crap right there, man. And like right there, right along those lines, everything you blow it right out of proportion. And as you said, like they kind of backtracked a little bit. Well, and that again, that was a, that was a signal. To- mm-hmm still there yeah yeah sorry yeah Yeah. anyways you you were saying jody wilson raygould and you were you were talking about that piece yeah oh yeah so yeah so here's got that's what you kind of get right there is you get a jody wilson raygould jane philpot type situation from trudeau but that from aaron o'toole instead i mean like like that's so like ridiculous i mean like like you've kind of seen all these mps taking like a step like way back and, and not really spoken out against anything because they're afraid of getting kicked out. I mean, like, look at, like, the, the premiers. They're not afraid to kick anyone out. Yeah. Well, and, and to me, when you look at that, like, that's a strong signal we're being sent by Aaron O'Toole when he does something like that. Mm-hmm. That is a strong signal that he is 
equally willing to stoop to that level, the same level that these leftists ideologues are doing to destroy their enemies. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for me, like I'm a moralistic guy. Like honesty matters. Integrity matters. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, wow, that guy has absolutely no integrity. If he was willing to do something like that, right? That's where he's at. That was the signal he gave me Mm -hmm. was he's as bad as those guys. And that's where it was like any hope of supporting him, that there was, I just, I lost all total support. And, 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 you know, again, the other side is I have no pity for any MP, for any politician who sits back quietly to preserve their own position. Yeah. These people are elected to represent their constituents. That's what they're there to do. Mm-hmm. And when they don't speak out on behalf of their constituents with this stuff, that's why we get people like Jason Kenney who mm-hmm. are booting people out of the party yeah. because nobody else is they're just like oh yes sir we don't want to be kicked out of the party so we're mm-hmm. going to do what you say and they let guys like drew barnes and you know all these good people they let them get booted out and don't say a word mm-hmm. and then they keep towing the line and it's like the, the funniest thing i saw there's a guy named tanny Yao. he's like a local politician like he's a local mp mm-hmm. and he when so he got in trouble for going on vacation like last Christmas, and I swear this is the funniest part. So he goes on vacation, and everybody loses it. His mm-hmm. excuse was, "Well, you know, I was really stressed out because of all this cold <laughs> stuff. And, you know, I just needed a break." It's like, okay, well, I'm sure all of the businesses you destroyed, those people yeah. probably needed breaks. Mm-hmm. But the, the the most subtle funniest part was he had a profile picture that actually said "Stay home, save lives," <laughs> and he deleted it. And I was like, man, if that's not the most hypocritical bullshit. I've yeah. ever seen. Like, I'll tell you, 99% of politicians in Canada right now do not represent the interests of their electorate. Mm-hmm. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. I mean, like, like look at the uh, Ontario's finance minister, uh, Rod Phillips. He went to Barbados for like two weeks. And yeah. thinking that people won't even notice, then he comes back, oh, I, I shouldn't have let my government... And there's Jagmeet Singh the last week, for example. Uh, oh, people that break the rules are anti-maskers and far-right ex- extremists. <laughs> and he's like... Oh, I let my guard down. Oh, give me a break. Like, I don't know if you saw on my social media that I did. A, I made a video. Yeah. I think I posted it just to my Facebook page, but it was literally like repeatedly him saying bad <laughs> stuff about right wingers who don't support it. And then I would just insert like the video of him hugging a guy, getting out of a car with no mask, not social distancing, <laughs> just over and over again. Oh, right? it was God. Like, Man, you couldn't get any more. We have created a ruling class of absolute psychopaths in Canada. That's what we've done. It's our fault. Yeah. We did this. We, we gave them the signal it's okay. We implemented, we, we ha- did not help hold them accountable in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And guess what we ended up with? We ended up with the ruling party that we actually deserve because you've got too many people like you and I uh, who think like you and I who sit back and just wait for somebody else to do it for them. Yeah. And he, here's my theory behind it, okay? So you've got the left. The left is brutal. They mm-hmm. do. They push hard. Like there's an impressive element to the left mm-hmm. where they fight really hard to get what they want. And my theory is it's because they don't have what they want. Mm-hmm. So they are just pushing, fighting every step of the way to get exactly what they want out of society. You shift over to the right, and you've got a bunch of conservative-minded people who, like, even the way this is, the way politics has shifted. Even like what used to be a liberal falls into that category right now. Mm-hmm. And they're all sitting back, and for the most part, they have what they want. Yeah. They have peace and quiet. They have a retirement fund. They have okay jobs. They have money coming in. They don't want to rock the boat. 
They don't want to do any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that's where we fail 100% of the time is they don't see down the road what this turns into. Yeah. A lot of them just sit there and they're just like, I'm comfortable now, so you know, I'll just wait for, you know, Superman to show up and take care of this problem for me. <laughs> yeah. When you've got a huge portion, not not a, not a majority, but you've got a lot of rabid leftists who will literally, and I'm not saying we should do this, they will go burn buildings down to get what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the other side is the polar opposite where they're just sitting down watching Murder, She Wrote, uh, <laughs> friggin' like just having a beer in the yeah. evening. Hoping to God that somebody steps up and takes over. Yeah, but like another. I, I've had people in my live streams, man. They've been like, you know, all you do is bitch about stuff. What are you gonna do about <laughs> it? It's like, well, I'm doing as much as I can. I yeah. reach like three to five million people a week through all of my bitching I do. It's yeah. Like, what are you gonna do about it? Mm-hmm. Right, like guys, like we've got probably you know anywhere from twelve to fifteen million conservative-minded people in Canada, and ninety-nine percent of them are sitting down silently. And letting this destruction of society take place yeah, exactly. right before I mean, their very eyes, and knowing what it turns into, and mm-hmm. they're just sitting back letting it happen, right? Yeah, I mean, like another good point to your example as well is when the the city's burning part. I mean, like look at the uh, the United States. I mean, for a whole summer, Black Lives Matter burned down buildings. They burned out black-owned businesses for crying out loud, and people just sat by and let it happen and just kind of ignored the fact. And Democrats are going on with. Uh, quote-unquote peaceful protesting i mean like right there and then you kind of skip mostly ahead. people most mostly yeah people. most people yeah and you kind of skip ahead to january 6th and then you have all these democrats oh it's an insurrection it's a uh, a terrorist plot i mean like that is exactly right there what's been going on all throughout the summer in democrat-run cities right there but that, that's the brutal brilliance of the tactics of the left mm-hmm. is we have nothing to combat that with yeah they will, not only will they convince their side that they're right, they mm-hmm. will beat our side into submission, and our side, out of fear of repercussions, will agree with what they have to say about what's happened. Yeah. 100% of the time, that will happen. And, and again, it's just like, they've created this, this, this mechanism, they've created this, they've weaponized this whole system in a way mm-hmm. that they get what they want. And it's happened right before our very eyes. Like, you take the media, for example. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think the media at any point in time started as a leftist tool. But what I do think is people who are attracted to media and those types of positions and those types of activities happen to lean left. Mm -hmm. So what you end up with over decades and decades and decades of, you know, media growth and all of these things is people who develop, who come from a leftist perspective, and eventually they just take over the majority of the influence in the media. And yeah. they just turn into something that the left can use against us whenever they want to. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like, that's the thing, uh, I mean, today, I mean, like, we're, we're kind of looking back. I mean, like, CBC, for example, like, they spent millions of dollars in a lawsuit against the Andrew Shear campaign in 2019 saying that they used their images illegally, which was actually they, they got defeated in court. I mean, that right there goes against their little unbiased uh, little news source that they claim so that's to be. Good. I mean, like, right there, you and me, we own them. We're taxpayers. We literally fund them. I mean, like, that's the thing. I mean, like, we have all these... The, I mean, the NDP want to fund them even more. Like, they got, like, another $600 million grant from the Liberals over the summer again because their their uh, the ratings are so low. No one even watches them. I mean, like, right? Like, what the stuff that I get... Like, I get nine news from. I get National Post. I get Post Millennial, Rebel News, True North. I got it from you. Like, uh, like that's what kind of people, conservatives rely on. Now, they're not going to buy it from... Uh, from little Rosemary Bartz and they're saying with her little cottage interviews with Justin Trudeau, they're not going to buy it from her. Yeah, not at all. And, and again, it just comes back to that piece where you know, it 
again, we, we we're reaping what we've sown. Like this is what we've created. We've allowed this to take place. We've held nobody accountable. Mm-hmm. This is what we end up with as a result of it, right? It's this media. And then, you know, the other side of things too, for me, is it's like, everybody talks about election interference. Well, mm-hmm. like, at what point in time through osmosis does this media piece become election interference mm-hmm. because of what they choose to cover and what they choose not to cover because of the spin they put on things and the spin they don't put on things. And, and it's like, I'm not about highly regulating anything. But when we're in a situation where it's been weaponized so hard against the interests of, you know, a, a large portion of the middle class, at what point do we view that as election interference versus just people who are reporting the news? Because it has real impact. Yeah, I mean, like, look at, uh, like, look at it 20 to me. I had, like, little, uh, little special ed kid Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg come to Canada and try to lecture uh, Canadians on being green and like her whole Tesla's filled with plastic at the at the little uh, green convention. And they're like, no, that can't be her. No, that and then they they show her the car and oh, that that's not her. That's not her. I mean, like they're right there. And I mean, and then she's like with Key and Bexie, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call the cops on you. How dare you? Like all that crap, right? I mean, like that. Dude, right I challenge there. I challenge any one of those people to come to Fort McMurray in the middle of the winter when it's <laughs> minus fifty mm-hmm. and be green. Yeah. Oh man. Could you, like, yeah. The green, like the Green Party, has no has no ruling to even even run a Green candidate in Alberta. No one would vote for them. Not oh, a single person. Well, I've watched some municipal. Uh, it was interesting. I watched some. You can tell the Green uh, the Green folks who represent the Green Party in Alberta. They're actually really good people. Uh, they have good intentions. They care about the planet. Like you can see all this stuff. In yeah. Them, but it's like it's the most ridiculous stuff. It's mm-hmm. like it just doesn't fly, right? And that's yeah. the sad part. Is you got good people. Who are trying to push this thing that's not going to work? And they're just dude, they're in such a tough spot. Like I, I watched the debate. I felt bad for this guy because I was mm-hmm. like, wow, he's definitely a good person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just he's, yeah. he's trying to push shit ideas. What's happening? Right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, mean, I, I think I also think is another well is coming back to like good people as many as they they sideline Pierre Pauly, one of the greatest politicians ever, and, and they completely sideline. They kind of put him as oh, he's important. We're going to put him to. Uh, jobs in industry i mean like to ed ed fast respect as well man like uh, yeah. like if you were going to have someone like if finance is a lot more important than jobs in industry i'm going to tell you that being straight up is that's more important so if, if ed fast is kind of better than pierre polyev wouldn't you want him in jobs industry over pierre polyev uh, if he was better i'd know his name i don't even know the guy <laughs> i don't even watch him i haven't really heard no of him no one like even that. knows who he is i mean there's no clips of him anywhere the only person yeah. like actually stands up and actually like what well, kind of what me and you uh, we, you and me do is we just talk off the spot i mean like pierre Polly, like his burns they, they come out of nowhere or like the, the, like the man doesn't even plan these things and again, all these... structured, man. I gotta hand it to him. Again, like he doesn't—he doesn't get a pass for not mm-hmm. talking about this stuff with COVID lockdowns and the damage being done. Mm-hmm. I will give him credit, though, for you know, for his ability to speak mm-hmm. and his ability to debate and all. It's impressive. It's very mm-hmm. impressive. But again, it, it comes back to that argument I keep making. Mm-hmm. The worst thing ever is happening to the uh, to the citizens of Canada right now. Yeah. Um, the livelihoods being destroyed. There is no true data to substantiate any of it when you look at like uh, i was talking to a lawyer from the jccf he forwarded me a bunch of stuff about like you know all of the gaps in pcr testing and what that what that's causing mm-hmm. any politician who is not on the forefront of that conversation yeah and who is talking about pet projects i just can't give them a pass at this point yeah i know whether yeah. it be somebody i hugely respected or somebody i don't even care about or i haven't even listened to it's just none of them get a pass you yeah, get definitely. drew barnes you get randy hillier 
those are the guys who are talking about what matters. Mm-hmm. But anybody who's talking about pet projects right now is like, guys, put your eye on the prize. And those like, guys, and those, and those same guys, while well, they're facing like hundred thousand dollar lawsuits that are actually getting thrown out because that's their charter of rights and freedoms that they're using, that they're get actually getting fined for. So they're, they're, they're literally the court judges here in Ontario. They're by the pounds. They're throwing out tickets because they, they don't even come into contact with all these little minor provincial uh, restrictions. I guess I mean like that oversees their charter of rights and freedoms right there. I mean. literally they're just throwing them right out they don't even the judges don't even care dude the the most important thing canadians can do is deeply research the charter of rights and freedoms and the canadian constitution Mm -hmm. that is one of the most important things people can do that's empowering stuff you know i i get i debate a lot of people about you know charter freedoms and the constitution and Everybody keeps arguing with me that the government is enabled to do what they do because of what the Constitution says. They keep saying this, and it's like it. And, and it's like they'll talk about you know the uh, they'll talk about Section One, which allows them within certain parameters to violate somebody's rights. But the thing people don't Section One is like more on an individual basis. Yeah. If you had somebody spewing racist remarks, they would go to court. The court would enact Section One, and no, like it obviously and you know willfully violate their rights Mm -hmm. uh to stop that speech which is like okay everybody's okay with that Mm -hmm. but to use that against the entire population with no date to substantiate it like there's actual tests they have to pass in court to be able to do this and they have presented no data you Mm -hmm. talk to anybody from the jccf not only have they presented no data in alberta they were uh, relieved of having to present data that that allows them to violate our rights based on section one it's like this is the most ridiculous thing yeah the other thing people argue about the constitution that i laugh my head off about is that notwithstanding clause Mm -hmm. which to me is that is the fire alarm (laughs) so the notwithstanding clause says that against all court proceedings against the will of the electorate the government can do whatever they want to your constitutional rights that's what section 33 says and everybody says well, you know, you're wrong because Section 33, they mm-hmm. can violate your rights. They can make you stay home. They can uh, harm your psychological security of the person, which is an actual thing. Yeah. It's a subsection of security of the person under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Yeah, definitely. So everybody says, no, you can't do anything because of Section 33. It's like, guys, I don't know if you realize, but any dictator on the face of the planet can enact something like Section 33 without having Section 33 in their Constitution. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact it's in our Constitution does not make it acceptable or not authoritarian in nature. Yeah. Like, it's like, guys, like you, that's a terrible argument. It's mm-hmm. a fire alarm. Anytime a government says, we're going to enact Section 33, go against any proceedings, any rulings by the court, go against the will of the entire electorate, and as politicians, we're going to tell you what you're going to do. That is purely tyrannical. That is purely authoritarianism. And that is a fire alarm that your government has taken a step in that direction. So it's more, to me, when I read that in the Constitution, it's more of an indicator for the people than it is a mechanism for the government to use. Mm -hmm. Because whether it's there or not, they can do that at the point of a gun. At the end of a gun, they can do that. Mm -hmm, Because it's in there, and they willfully choose to do it and enact that section of the Constitution, it's like, okay, (laughs) you just told me that you're a tyrant. (laughs) you just told me you're an authoritarian leader Mm -hmm. thanks now i know right yeah for sure well yeah i I definitely agree with you well well, rob thank you so much for your for your time today on here it was a pleasure to have you on here i'd be more than happy to to have you on anytime for sure man great conversation really enjoy it and again uh thank you i love seeing young folks like you man get involved in this conversation 
it's, just, it's exactly what we need. Thanks. It's the best thing ever. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. And that was fellow media host Rob Boutillier of The Patriotic Dad. Make sure to check out Rob's work and our work on our pages. And make sure to tune in on the next episode of Conservative Roundup.